faithandreason.com. Be transformed by the renewal of your mind. You ever have one of those times when you realized you forgot your talk and you left it at home? <laughs> Not this time. <laughs> I have learned when that happens with other people, the homily actually becomes longer. They don't know when to land that airplane. Father Davis, my brother priests, my brother deacons, my brothers and sisters in the Lord, in the words of St. Peter at the transfiguration of Jesus, it is good for us to be here. Certainly, since the announcement by our Holy Father, Pope Benedict, that he was going to resign, I've been going down, as we call, memory lane. I contacted Cardinal Maida, who was my archbishop at the time, back in 2005, when John Paul the Great passed away and Pope Benedict XVI was elected. It also so happened at the time I was Cardinal Midas' secretary, so I went to Rome with him. For three weeks, I was in Vatican City with Cardinal Mida. Yes, it was a privilege. This relatively young priest from Westland, Michigan, not far from the airport where I grew up, little did I know I was going to live that history. To sit in St. Peter's Square just a few rows from the casket that held the body of Blessed John Paul. You see, a few of us secretaries were sitting together 50, 60 rows back easily. We were probably closer to the obelisk in the square than we were to St. Peter's itself. And one of the masters of ceremonies came up and said, come sit up here. First thing it came across, of course, was a scriptural passage, come sit in a higher place. <laughs> of course, we were very humble and saying, yes, we'd be happy to. Inside, we were saying, yes. <laughs> <laughs> it so happened a number of the priests in Rome, prominent priests, could not make it there. They were stuck in traffic. There were a million people at the funeral. Go figure. They didn't get there early. They're not going to get there. So I sat next to, actually, at the time, it was a Monsignor Dan Thomas, who is the Auxiliary Bishop of Philadelphia now. And we had a chance to take it all in. Not too far from us could we see that cedar casket with the gospel book open, the pages flying in the wind, until just before the gospel was to be proclaimed by the deacon, the wind caught it and the book closed. Talk about symbolism. I still remember it as if it was yesterday, not nearly eight years ago. And then for the next few days, there were a lot of meetings the Cardinals would have, had to do with certainly what were the needs of the church. And the Saturday evening prior to the Sunday that the Cardinals were going to come together for one meal before they were going to be sequestered or conclaved the next day, Cardinal might ask me to take him out to a dinner somewhere in Rome, somewhere he wouldn't be recognized. So, having studied over in Rome, I thought, I know a nice little place, they have a good rotisserie, you can have pasta if you want, up the hill. Got up there, got there a little early, 
sat down. Cardinal Midas seemed to be very happy that I was able to find a secret place until Cardinal Mahoney walked in, <laughs> Cardinal Roligali walked in, and a few other cardinals, and they laughed and looked at each other and said, let's have an American conclave. <laughs> the days following, certainly, which was not, weren't a number of days, but they were very spiritual, and I lived actually in the presidential offices, the apartment, the palace there, of the gubernatorato, as they say in Italian, I was living behind St. Peter's, right near the Vatican Gardens. I had opportunity to watch the cardinals walk back and forth. Of course, it was prohibited for me to talk to Cardinal Mida or any of the cardinals for that matter. I had my book. I was reflecting and praying over my priesthood. Days of recollection. My computer was shut off. No cell phone, no fax, nothing. And then, of course, the sisters I was living with there in the apartment, they would go down, you know, just before lunch, just before pranzo, then just before dinner to see what color the smoke was there on Monday and Tuesday. And I didn't go down. I said, oh, sisters, it's too early, it's too early. And then finally, they were insistent, not that sisters ever are, of course, <laughs> and they were rightfully so to insist this young priest go with them. So I had my black cassock on, walked out of the offices, walked down into St. Peter's, walking through St. Peter's, which was darkened. It was the evening. No lights were on in there, so everything was natural light coming in. It was quiet, of course. It was deathly quiet. And the, two, the three of us are walking through, and all of a sudden I could hear someone yelling at me Santa, Santa, to stop me. And he started running up, thinking that somehow I had gotten through the barricades and I was walking all around the city without any sort of permission. The, the gendarmes, as they call it, the gentleman stopped and looked and he saw the two sisters I was with, saluted and walked away. <laughs> That's when I found out who really runs Vatican City. <laughs> We walked outside, and there was a whole square, and all of a sudden you could see a hush among people in the front of, who just walked out the front doors of St. Peter's with these two sisters? And he's not wearing white. And I walked down, and even my hair wasn't white yet at that point. And I walked down with the sisters, and we stood next to the statue of St. Peter in the square. There are two statues, large statues, one of St. Paul, one of St. Peter, and we chose St. Peter because we could get a good look, of course, at the color of the smoke. It was overcast, and smoke rose, and people started clapping, and we really couldn't tell what color it was. And all of a sudden, bells started going off, and people were clapping and cheering in the square. And after the sixth bell, the bells stopped. It was six o'clock. <laughs> a little while later, we were appointing Sisters and I were talking, saying no, because if we have a pope, then the bell up here will ring. And we pointed up at that bell, and it was starting to swing. And it's huge. That, the bell itself, you could probably fit maybe three or four of them inside this chapel. That's it. It's massive. And, of course, the bell went off. And not too much later, our Holy Father walked out in the balcony. 
and I consider myself in a privileged place at St. Peter's Square, right next to the statue of St. Peter's. Sisters and I returned back to the dining room, back in the governor's offices, and Cardinal Maida and Cardinal Schacke, who was the president of the Vatican City State at the time, had dinner with the new Holy Father. Well, when they returned to the house, they realized the sisters and I decided to order out. We had pizza and German beer. <laughs> Cardinal Schock and Cardinal Maida thought I had scandalized the sisters until they found out it was the sisters' idea to have the German beer. <laughs> Little did I know that the celebration of our new Holy Father, Pope Benedict XVI, would have such a turn that he himself would appoint me your bishop. That's how the Lord works. I reminisce on that because I just put the papal bull, the Latin, the original, in my office, hanging on the wall, with the seal of the Holy Father as well as his signature. It's a reminder how the Lord works in our lives. As Pope Benedict has reminded us today, and as that conclave reminded us as well, it's all about God. The conclave is not a political convention. It's not a time for people to ridicule their opponents or be uncharitable. It's a time to see where the Lord is taking us. Who does the Lord wish to be the successor of Peter? Today's gospel takes us to the beginning of that Petrine ministry. The authority given to the Pope unique only to him, finding its source in Jesus Christ himself. I read once how handing over of the keys in the ancient synagogue tradition was the handing, better entrusting, of the doctrine and the justice of the faith to another. Primacy of the papacy is given explicitly here in the gospel passage. Just a few short verses focusing on one person is Jesus. Cephas, Peter, the rock. The one upon whom Jesus builds his church will also be the one who provides us access to the heavenly kingdom, as Jesus so explicitly says today. Today we celebrate the Prince of the Apostles, the Vicar of Christ, entrusted with the eternal keys by the one who created and then recreated all things. We celebrate the chair of St. Peter, St. Peter the Apostle, with a capital A. He and all his successors have been entrusted with the immeasurable task to maintain unshakable faith in the one who is the only way, the only truth, and the only life. Today we also recognize upon whose shoulders 
and in whose heart all of this responsibility has been entrusted these past eight years. In these final days of Pope Benedict XVI's pontificate, his service and ministry at the chair of St. Peter exercised with a father's love, we give thanks to our eternal, our heavenly Father, our Savior Jesus Christ, and the life-giving Holy Spirit for the gift of St. Peter and his successors. Truly, our Holy Father has embraced the very words, feed my sheep. In the words of so many at the March for Life and the youth rallies and papal audiences, Pope Benedict, we love you. Amen. Faithandreason.com Be transformed by the renewal of your mind.